Well, hello, hello, hello there. My name is George, if you don't know me. I'm one of the young regulars here at Allwood Anglican. And before I start, may I just say just how much of a blessing and opportunity it is for us today to be praising glory in Christ together. Um, it's great that through lockdown and through all things considered, we still have the power of technology and the internet to praise in the spirit of Christ together. Um, we're still given the chance to share God's word, even though in these tough, trying times. Um, God's spirit, it cannot be separated. And this is a testament to this. Uh, through all our lives, we must battle and we must fight for our faith with Christ. Uh, he will be, for there will be tough times. Uh, we must, in this world, we must prevent our hearts from hardening uh, to the spirit. Uh, and this is a time in which we are certainly most vulnerable. Uh, in times of sorrow, in times where we struggle in, in isolation, perhaps that is when we are most tempted to harden our hearts. Um, in lockdown, perhaps, thankfully, if there is a positive thing, we can look on this. Um, is that actually, surprisingly, the death rate in all of Australia has gone down massively. Uh, there are fewer natural deaths from elderly people. Less people died from winter from irregular things like seasonal flus. Um, there are no accidental deaths from work and no alcohol-related deaths either, really. Um, but there is one statistic, one thing that should really shock us to the core, quite literally. and. The, th the thing that shocks us probably the most is the fact that if we see the statistics, most people that die during lockdown is because of suicide. Uh, this is sadly the major cause of death in Australia, not from the virus, but from people hardening their hearts uh, to hope and to joy. Now this is an extreme example, but I raise it because it is something we should be aware of. Hardening our hearts to hope, to Christ, is one of the most dangerous things that each and every one of us can face. When we harden our hearts, we lose sight of the greatness and the glory of God. This is what the writer Hebrews dedicates this passage, chapter 3, on. Regardless of age, occupation, status, each and every one of us will struggle in our lives. And today, the people in um, today's passage, the Jewish Christians, they're just like us. They are tempted every time they go to be pessimistic um, and to, you know, to harden their heart as they um, are tempted to fall away, for they had many struggles. That's why in lockdown and in isolation, uh, it is good to remind ourselves of the blessings that we do have in Christ. Uh, that, friends, that is key to preventing our hearts from hardening and what Hebrews 3 remind us to do. So we have three points on today's passage, and that will come up to our screen thanks to the wonders of modern technology. Uh, so the three points being uh, today, number one, Jesus made flesh. Number two, Jesus was made to be greater than Moses. And finally, number three, Jesus calls to encourage. By the end of our video sermon today, hopefully that is the conclusion that we should reach, uh, just like our writer of Hebrews does. So without further ado, let's, let's jump in. And if you're watching along, it would be quite beneficial if you have the passage up with you. As we get into our passage, we see that the world of the Jewish Christians it is very similar to the world that Sydney Christians face today. As previously mentioned in our series, the writer who we don't know is writing, or some scholars may say, is preaching uh, to new city Christians. 
uh, from a Jewish background, uh, and they're facing a lot of pressure to harden their hearts and to convert back to the cultural norm of Jewish belief. And just like us, the Christians in the book of Hebrews, they live in a world that has hardened their hearts to Christ and that actively persecutes people that follows him. It's easy in situations like this to drift away. But God, but Christ, he is not a distant God. And that's what our writer stresses to us in our first point. Christ knows that we struggle. He knows our pains uh, that we all go through. Uh, and the reason he knows that is because he himself became flesh. This is the foundation of why Jesus is to be heralded overall. Jesus was divine, but he was made flesh. Human so he might taste death and defeat sin. He has done this so that we may have forgiveness of our sins, a price that he paid for all of us. Now, if you heard the sermon last week, uh, it was mentioned that Jesus, he is our brother, he's our captain, and he's our king. And he is all of these things because he became human and became flesh. Uh, this is the big lead up to chapter 3, uh, which, if you read, <laughs> our traditional NIV uh, Bibles start off with the word, therefore. Uh, that means there is something before this. There is something before this chapter that we must understand. Something crucial if, therefore, we are to understand what chapter 3 is preaching about. Now, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we had a very great sermon on it last week, um, which is up on YouTube on chapter 2, thanks to Brendan. Um, but at chapter 2, we are reminded that Jesus took on flesh and he was tempted in every single way. In the Gospels, he was tempted in the desert by Satan. He was tempted to use his power for his own glory. But Jesus, he didn't fall. He did not fall to sin like we all do. And this means two crucial implications. So firstly, he is not a distant God. He is close to us. He understands us and he knows our suffering. He took on flesh and he knows how we are tempted. That way, knowing firsthand, he is able to help us through temptation, for he himself was tempted. Is this not a great encouragement to us? A lot of us right now, we, we feel isolated and that's very understandable. We feel lonely, grieved maybe, emotionally stricken. A lot of us can't see our friends and family. Um, how do you think then Jesus felt on the cross when his family and friends, when they abandoned him? At the point of dying, all of them died, denying him and fleeing from him to save himself. And that was his friends and family, the ones closest to him. He was treated even worse by the public and his enemies, he was mocked and he was humiliated by them. Jesus more than well knows exactly how we are feeling and not locked down. He knows, he more than knows what it's like to be lonely and upset because he became human. He became flesh. And if you're struggling, if your heart is hardening, Christ is always there as your close comforter in all times of need. That's the first crucial implication um, of Jesus becoming flesh. The second crucial implication that we read in chapter 3 is because Christ became flesh. He is perfectly able to fulfill the Old Testament law and become our high preach, priest. Sorry. So reading from verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, 
Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as apostle and high priest. So before Jesus, the law in the Old Testament required that each and every year a sacrifice was to be made for Israel's sin. This is one of the biggest responsibilities that the high priest, as the name suggests, being the highest of priests, um, that was his task. And he was tasked to be the mediator for God. And he had the glory of doing all that himself. Now this is a big role and a very meticulous task. The high priest, firstly, he had to make a sacrifice um, before his sins, before, before he made a sacrifice for the sins of all of Israel. Then after that, when he made a sacrifice for all of Israel's sins, he'd do so in the most holy place in Israel. This is the only time in which he would go into the most holy place all year. And because of Israel's sin, humanity's nature to harden their heart to God this had to be done each and every year. This had to be done in order for Israel to have a relationship with God. And that's how important the high priest was to Israel. The average Israelite wasn't even allowed to go to the near sorry. The average Israelite wasn't even allowed to go even close to the most holy place, the most holy place because a sinful human would simply burn up in the sight or the holiness of God. The whole community of Israel would watch as the high priest made sacrifices and they would pray for Israel's success. Sorry, the high priest's success. And as a mediator of God, the atonement for the whole nation relied on the high priest. How great is it then that Jesus became flesh? He became flesh so that he could be the ultimate high priest and mediate for us. So that we can have a relationship with God before no sacrifice was enough. No high priest was able to forever sanctify and make us holy, for a sacrifice had to be made each year. And the sacrifice that was made by Christ, that, that was the holiest offering anyone could make. Jesus himself, blameless and pure, he became flesh, so that our hearts will not harden with sin. Read again verse 1 with me. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, Holy brothers and sisters, we have been made holy through Christ, who we also share in the heavenly calling. How encouraging is it that we've been made holy in Christ's blood? His blood being so pure and glorious. He has paid for our iniquities completely, and we share in the heavenly calling for Christ that he has blessed and chosen us with. Therefore, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Verse 1. If you are struggling with sin, fix your thoughts on Jesus. If you are struggling thinking to yourself you're not worthy to be called to Christ, well, you've been made holy in the name of Jesus. Fix your thoughts on him so that you may not fall away from Christ and harden your heart to his spirit. Now all of that, that is all from verse 1 alone. What a verse, honestly. A whole sermon can just be made on that verse alone. But chapter 3 goes even further on encouraging us as we get to our second point. Imagine, for example, that you're dreaming of building a new home. Uh, one that has more luxurious rooms than your own house that you have right now. A better kitchen. And less things breaking down, for, breaking down in the house all the time. Man, it's a dream home, you know. And now, say if you had the money 
to build it. Hypothetically, you would have to go and you'd have to pay a builder to build this house, right? And that builder, he would need all the necessary skills, all the resources and experience to build this new dream home of yours. Now, after six months, just imagine, the builder calls up and he says, it's all done. It's ready for you to see. And of course, you go and you see it. And it is beautiful. It's fantastic. It's everything you asked for. And it's even more. It's completely furbished and it's state of the art. It's a fantastic house. Would you not think it'd be extremely stupid then if you were to thank and honor the house alone, the object itself? Of course, you would thank, you would honor the builder, right? The person responsible for building the house. So do we then, do we honor the man that has built our house, our spiritual house? This is the second point that the writer of Hebrews says that is key to protecting our hearts from hardening. Knowing who the builder of a house is and honoring him. So to the contextual Jewish Christians, the man who built the house gave the law and the identity of faith. That person was Moses. He was the mediator for God and the man who came closest to seeing God in the flesh. But Jesus was made to be greater than Moses. While Moses reflected God's glory, Jesus's is God's glory. Read verse 3 and 4. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses is not the building. And Moses did a lot. The whole nation of Israel, our faith today, is owed a lot from what Moses did. He, in the history of humanity, was the closest man to ever be in the presence of God, coming face to face with him. He declared the plagues in Egypt, and as it happens, in the eyes of the Pharaoh, he saw him as the God of Israel. And that's not enough. <laughs> if you want to top Moses' resume even more, uh, he received the Ten Commandments, and he parted the Red Sea. He wrote the Old Testament law down as well. Honestly, that's crazy. Just doing even one of those things enough is amazing. But Moses did them all. And Moses is not the building of faith. Christ is the builder. Moses is but a mere brick that makes up God's house. And Jesus, Jesus Christ, our God who in flesh gave his life for us, he is the one who should receive the honor and praise even higher than Moses. Verse 6. But Christ is faithful as the son of God over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Every brick that we build our house, it is built from Christ. Friends, families, joy, success, even discipline and hardship all of these are but bricks that build us up if we indeed hold firmly to the faith in Christ. If you find you are experiencing hardship, if your heart is hardening to the spirit of Christ, then friends, remember that God is the builder. And each of these events that we go through, they are bricks that build up character and strengthen Christ. Every single brick that goes through, a, every single brick, sorry, goes through a hot, fiery furnace before they harden and become strong. Before this, without going through that furnace, a brick is useless. It's muddy, it's weak, and can be stretched, and it can be pulled apart. 
It's only when it goes through intense heat does the brick become strong. And together, each brick that Christ has laid down in our house becomes strong enough to hold up tons. The life of a Christian, it's not easy. But it's the only house that will stand the test of time. It's the only house in which any hope of eternal life or meaning forever lies. So remember, just as the writer of Hebrews remind us, fix your thoughts on the builder of the house. Fix your thoughts on God so that your heart will not harden when rain or storm comes your way. Remember that God is the builder. The builder is not success. It's not wealth. It's not prosperity. It's not anything else. All of these are given to us by God. They are the bricks. And they are as awesome and important as they can be to our life. Without fixing our thoughts on God, each one of these runs the risk of distracting us and hardening our hearts to Christ. And when our hearts harden, that's when we lose our fervor. That's when we lose our joy to the Spirit. And that's when we risk drifting away. Now, the passage here, it gives us such strong encouragement, and yet it gives us such a stark warning. The book of Hebrews, it is not written to the Gentiles. It's not written to unbelievers of the gospel. It is written to Christians. Christians who are facing persecution and hardships from their cultural roots, demanding that they harden their hearts to Christ. This is the same for us. This message that Hebrews 3 tells us is that for Christians, it is a lifelong battle. Christ's faith is so strong. If we are Christians, we cannot fall away from God. That is true, but through hardships and setbacks that each of us will undoubtedly face in our lives, we can drift. And that leads to our final point. Knowing that Jesus is the builder of our house, he calls us to action in response. Look with me. Verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tried and tested me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. From the time Israel went out of Egypt, which the passage references, to the resurrection of Christ, and finally to this day, we hear God's voice. We hear his voice through the word of the Bible and through his son. The message is not changed, for God is unchanging. If we hear Christ's voice, then we should not harden our hearts. For if we do, like the Israelites discouraging one another in the desert, we will not be able to enter God's rest. So how can we soften our hearts to Christ in the face of difficulties and struggles then, rather than the opposite, like the Israelites wandering in the desert? Well, the key to doing that can be found exactly in verse 12, reading from it. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, all made holy and called to be in a relationship of God because of Christ. How strong are we then if we encourage one another in the name because of Christ? 
The Israelites fell away, hardened by sin's deceitfulness, and this was only fueled even more by their constant grumbling and their constant bickering and discouragement to one another. Brothers and sisters, is this not us in lockdown? Are we disconnected from one another, grumbling and discouraging ourselves? Are we angry at our circumstances, at God for all the hardships that we are facing right now in Sydney? Are we hardening our hearts to Christ amidst this lockdown season? Friends, it does not have to be this way. For Jesus, he is the builder of each of our houses. And we all have the power to encourage one another in Christ. Again, right from the beginning of our sermon, nationwide, nationwide mental health is dropping across all demographics. Anxiety and depression are increasing and yet every week, the views on our YouTube channel, on Elwood Anglican, every sermon, the views are decreasing. And yet in all this, we are blessed to live in an age that we are today. If the pandemic hit just 15 years ago, there would be no way we could have a service every week in the comfort of our homes. There would be no way we could contact one another so easily and readily with all the power of a device that could just fit inside our pocket, our phone. And that's the key to softening our hearts to Christ. Rather than hardening our hearts from sin, it's by fixing our thoughts on Jesus, counting all the blessings we have, and encouraging one another in Christ. So as we conclude today, rather than letting lockdown discourage us, discouraging us and hardening our hearts, let us use it to encourage and grow one another. When's the last time you've contacted someone from church? Given them a call to have a checkup or just a chat? There is so much good, so much encouragement we can give one another to bear and strengthen ourselves amidst trying times like now in lockdown. Let the words of Hebrews 3 challenge us then. Encourage a friend, a family member maybe that you haven't seen or talked to during lockdown. If there is someone you suspect is suffering or struggling mentally and emotionally, it only takes a 10 second message. Ask them how they are going. Ask them how you can pray for them. Every single one of us has so much power because of Christ, because he is the builder of our house. Individually a brick, it cannot hold much, but together the bricks of a house, it can hold a roof weighing several tons, strong enough to withstand severe storm and hail. Encourage one another, brothers and sisters. Fix your thoughts on Christ so that each of us may not harden our hearts to sin.